Ladies and gentlemen, you are still listening to Behind the Steel Curtain. Once again, my name is Michael Beck, joined as always with Jeffrey Benedict and our special guest from Hogs Haven, one Mr. Brian Stab. Brian, I, I never asked before we got on. Are you going to hang out for another 30 minutes? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Um, Love it. Um, first question coming back in our second our second half here. Terry McLaurin. Boy, oh boy. he is He's pretty good at uh, at playing wide receiver, I would say. Yeah. Um, has he been the best Washington football team wide receiver of the last 20 years? This is a great question. Um, he has been fantastic. And... It was one. It's oops, excuse me. It's one of the situations where like the wide receiver core for this team is um, has room for growth. I don't know. Like, what's the nice way of saying that they're not, they're not very good? Uh, they have a lot of guys that are unproven to this point, and so you knew that all of the the targets, options one, two, and three, are all going to be Terry McLaurin. He's getting double teamed. He has safeties over the top on him. He gets contact at the line. It's a, he's still making catches and he still make play, makes plays. He's fantastic. And I think um, there is a chance he could be the first all pro that Washington has had since 1996. We had a, we had a punter who was an all pro Matt Turk. <laughs> Haven't had a guy since then. Wow. Uh, it's tough to be an all pro wide receiver. Cause you have to be just like one of the three best guys. And he is maybe somewhere between three and six in my eyes at this point. I, uh, and that is to, to answer your question. I mean, Washington has had a little bit of a, a glut in, in wide receiver talent. They had one year Deshaun Jackson was really crushing things. They had Pierre Garcon on that receiving core and Jameson Crowder. All three of them had a thousand yards that year. Uh, but you know, Terry McLaurin, people are feeling pretty good about him and his future, his, 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 his present, his future. Uh, yeah, he's, he's been our guy. He earned the captaincy patch and he's, he's really growing in that role too. Now, Jeffrey, that, that's going to be a, an interesting challenge for the Steelers to stop, especially if Steven Nelson isn't good to go this week. Of course, he had an MRI on his knee kind of unexpectedly after that game, he finished the game, but still needed an MRI today. Still don't know the results on that, but how do you anticipate the Steelers uh, trying to stop one Mr. Scary Terry? But they're, they're doing a great job on wide receivers, uh, especially recently. I don't expect it to be too much of a problem. Um, our secondary is really good. Uh, Joe Aiden just had another good game. Uh, they'll be all right. I mean, they, this is he's the kind of guy that you're not going to shut down. Like, you're not going to shut down Terry McLaurin. And if your game plan is – We've got to stop this guy from doing anything. You're probably going to lose that game. You're going to have to accept that he's going to make some plays. He's going to convert some some third downs. He's going to make some big catches, and you just have to find a way to win that. You know, defend the team, keep his numbers down, uh, stop the running, and go. You know, like, this team isn't an offensive juggernaut. Just just keep him in check. You know, keep keep Terry McLaurin in check. Don't let him go off for 140 yards or something crazy, and you'll be all right. Now, Brian, we mentioned kind of the, the two big names there, uh, uh, the running back that's uh, kind of taking the league by storm, uh, the big-time wide receiver, like you said, uh, possibly the first all-pro in my lifetime, uh, not to date myself, but uh, um, who else on offense uh, do you have uh, that the Steelers should uh, kind of concern themselves over? Yeah, so really the the two other guys that have made any – 
of an impact, any splash. Is, is Steven Sims out? He's the the other wide receiver on the other side. Uh, big playability, but he's got to do everything right. And routinely, it's one of the things that he's not doing right. He's either not able to get his get himself open, or he'll miss routes on occasion. But when he's he is more of a home run threat than I think people would give him credit for because you think McLaurin's the the guy who you can go over the top. Steven Sims um, has great hands. He is sneaky quick. Uh, he you can't just leave him in one on one coverage a hundred percent of the time because he will make you pay for it. Uh, but he still again is in a bit of a developing role. The other guy who's gotten a lot of attention of late is Logan Thomas, a tight end the tight end situation for the past years has been tricky. You know, Jordan Reed was here, but never healthy. Just really a lot of people thought he was going to retire based on some of the concussion problems that he had. And it has been a challenge, especially I think it was for, for Dwayne Haskins, where when you're a young quarterback, you're looking for safety valves and that's your guy who can go over the middle. That's your guy who can create some separation with his body. And that's your tight end. And Washington was just, it just really hasn't been, gangbusters since Jordan Reed was early, you know, healthy early in his career. Thomas was a converted quarterback from college and has built himself into a nice role where he can get eight targets and five catches for 35 yards. But four of those five catches will be for first downs or will be on in a long situation where you just like have to rely on tight end and his stats don't light it up because he's not really a home run threat so much. He's not like one of these tight ends who can, can change the game for you, but he has become incredibly reliable in a way that gives them some more flexibility and viability on the offensive side of the football. Now, Brian, we've heard about the weapons. The Steelers defense has been playing some really good football and that's kind of something that was expected throughout the year. What do they got to do to continue that success against Washington? And can they build on a, on a game where, they nearly pitched a shutout if it wasn't for really two dumb mistakes. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because the Pittsburgh Steelers, I saw someone and this is no disrespect. I saw someone refer to them as the worst 10 and O team they had ever seen. And in my mind, I'm like, what on earth does that even mean? Like, how is that? Like, is that an insult? Is that a compliment? Like, what am I supposed to take with that information? That, so that characteristic to me, it's like, they have clearly done more than just one thing right to get to where they are. This is a talented football team. I don't need to tell you guys that. You guys know it because you get to watch them every week. I think they are in a situation right now that is totally unenviable with sort of having to have moved these games around and just the the uncertainty and the level of... Um, just like having to be outside of your, your norms and your schedule all the while, you know, sort of like having the target on your, on your back that I think is, is challenging. I think it's hard. Uh, I think Washington, if they play the best they can play, they based on the circumstances may be able to, to sneak in there and, and get a win. But if I'm being completely honest, I think if Pittsburgh does what they have done so well this year, where they, are aggressive on the front seven on defense, go up against a Washington offensive line that is, um, I don't want to call it a turnstile, but they've had some troubles at the over course this year. And if they can create havoc in the backfield and 
just sort of like be themselves on offense, it, it'll take care of itself. I think that I watched the the Ravens game, the Ravens Sewers game, and clearly they were a little bit out of sorts. And I I do not blame them. I like it's it would be it would not have been surprising me for them to have lose lost that game just based on the circumstances. But Pittsburgh has, I mean, from what I've seen of them, they have just dominated in all facets of the game, and all they have to do is just be themselves. And I think that they could end up sort of walking away with this one if if they play their best. Yeah, I, this defense, I, I think, has gone to prove that it's if they can play the game that they should, uh, they should be able to win against any opponent in the NFL. And that, that's what they've been able to do thus far. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they can continue that. But, Jeffrey, flipping things over to the other side of the ball, uh, what does the Steelers' offense got to do to be successful in this game? Get rid of the drops. That's a big one. Steelers were second in drop rate in the NFL as a team. Uh, heading into that Baltimore game where we saw five really bad drops, like we five really bad ones. It's it's just like Mike Talbot said, it's unacceptable. You can't be dropping that many passes because um, those are, so those were third down passes. Those were ones that would have turned a field goal into a touchdown, those kind of passes. And you're just, you're just missing them. You're just dropping them. That really puts the offense behind, and we are not an offense right now uh, that makes up those yards. We are not an offense that, that can that can get in a hole and make it up. We don't get Ben is not getting sacked, um, and, and we we do little gains, little gains, and then every once in a while a chunk play. So they really have to get rid of the drops because those are drive enders uh, with this offense. That's the that's the number one thing. I'm not even going to say anything about our run game because it doesn't. We don't have one. Uh, so you can't, you can't get something going that doesn't exist. And, uh, so they, they've got to just not drop the ball because that's, that's how we have to move the ball. Yeah. And really that, that's probably the difference yesterday. If, uh, if the Steelers are able to get those drops, the game might not be close and who knows if, uh, Bud Dupree tears his ACL, if it's even at that point in the game. So it's one of those things that it's kind of tough to, to say in football, but Brian, flipping it over to, to your defense now, yeah. who, who are those kind of playmaking type guys that the Steelers fans should be aware of? I think uh, for all of the, the the holes that exist wholesale across this team, the best unit in the, in the entire team is the defensive front four. Um, with Chase Young and Montez Sweat on the outside and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne on the inside. Uh, there, as a unit, I would take them over just about any other group on any other team uh, at that position in the league. Chase Young has... Uh, the fact that he's maybe the fourth best of the four is, is pretty remarkable. They have been fun to watch. Uh, Montez Sweat is another guy who still early in his career, didn't um, get a lot of love. They sort of thought that he had a lot of learning to do. And this has been the year. This has kind of been his coming out party. He had, I'm not sure if you guys were able to see, he had this fantastic uh, pick Double six play. where he runs into the backfield on Thanksgiving, knocks the ball out of the air. I picks it up out of the air and, and Johnson in the end zone and just like really put his foot on the throat of the Cowboys. He, I think, gets the least amount of attention between the four of them. But he's just going to uh, – people feel really good about what we're seeing out of Montez Sweat. 
and sort of what is still his first contract. This is a young group. They are finally all healthy. And when the four of them are operating on cylinders, they make it very challenging for opposing offensive lines and for, for quarterbacks who need to be able to get the ball out. Uh, just me, uh, puts $5 into the tip jar using a super chat option. Wants to ask you a question, Brian, uh, simply put, how can Washington beat us? Yeah. Great question. Um, I sort of said if Washington plays their best and Pittsburgh plays their worst, I think that that maybe abdicates some responsibility to see Washington win, um, by saying that they need to catch an opponent who, you know, man for man is, is superior, uh, and has shown it thus far with a perfect record. I think if the Washington football team is able to establish the run, have a back-to-back hundred yard game for the first time this season. And what will be the first time, um, for, for, for their you know running backs in the last, I believe now year and a half, um, that's going to be key. And if the defense plays as well as they did last week or even the last two weeks, you know, sort of putting that all together, I think that that's how I see it happening. I don't think it's going to be if Washington wins, I don't think it's going to be something like what we saw in this offensive explosion that they had over the Cowboys putting up 41 points. It was the first time that a Washington football team has put up 41 points since 2016. Christmas Eve of 2016, they hung 41 on the bears and haven't done it since. So it was just very anomalous. It was very much not something we were accustomed to doing and not something that I think we expect them to do. So really just, they, they gotta take advantage of the circumstances as, as, un, as unfortunate as they may be, have their best day and just kind of hope that Pittsburgh uh, isn't, isn't feeling it. And maybe that's the set of circumstances where Washington wins the football game. Now, I have another question for both of you guys this time. I'll start with Jeffrey on this one. Washington ends up with a little bit extra time off. Uh, originally, both teams were scheduled to play on Thursday. Uh, the game then uh, originally slated for Sunday, now on Monday. Uh, Steelers obviously played yesterday. I, well, I believe a five-day difference here. Almost like a, a mini-bye week for the Washington football team and an extremely short week for the Steelers. Uh, Jeffrey, how do you think this is going to uh, impact the game? It, it will have an impact. It's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, I think I think you're going to see Washington game planning for what they're seeing from the Steelers, and I think you're going to see the Steelers not have time to adjust to that. So what I would expect, I would expect to see is Washington have a good first half. I think I think that's kind of what you see from that is is they've had a little time to look at us, come up with a few things. We we spent you know, way too long preparing for the Ravens when we didn't even know who was going to be playing for them. Mm. And now we've got to go, you know, turn to Washington. And in those short weeks, Tomlin is always just like, yeah, we, we're going to play to our strengths. Well, like, like if, they, if they're ready for that, if they have some answers for that, then it could be a rough first half. Uh, and then you got to hope the Steelers have adjustments in the second half coming out to to, to respond. Now, Brian, with this uh, with this game, same question to you. Uh, obviously, Washington has a little bit of time off. Or are you expecting some uh, the playbook to be opened up potentially, or what do you think? Uh, what do you think you're seeing in this game? I think that in terms of of the playbook, especially on the offensive side, they are doing as much as they can without trying to do too much. Uh, at talent at the skill positions has been 
non-consistent, I would say, you know, they, they're starting to get used to each other, but you know, it, when you have a quarterback who hasn't thrown a football in what, three years, two, three years, and now he's really just trying to meet these guys. Um, it's, it's, it's challenging and you give them as much as you can, as you think they can handle. And then not much more with regards to sort of the timing and the break there, you know, Washington, they, uh, they beat the Cowboys the first time they kind of blew them out too. 25 to three back in week seven. Then they have their bye week and come out and roll over against the New York giants. So the time off hasn't necessarily yielded positive results. They actually went zero and two coming out of the bye week. And so, you know, it's always that question. Would you rather be more rested than less rested? Would you rather be more rested or would you rather have, you know, your momentum going straight in? Um, I certainly wouldn't want to have to turn around and do a, a Wednesday and then even into a Monday. Uh, the whole thing, the rhythms have been so challenging. And I mean, what are these guys? They're, they're creatures of habit, and that's why they're able to be so successful in a lot of ways. And so to have to go through all of this and then play a happy hour game on a Monday is just like, okay, like how mentally strong are you to be able to, to figure this all out? And I think we're going to learn about a lot about the players on both of these teams sort of based on the way that they perform. Yeah, this is going to be a huge game to really kind of separate the, the boys from the men, really. It's, as cliche as it sounds, it's, re, it's really going to kind of show who, who the stars of either team are and who those veteran types are. And Jeffrey, of course, the Steelers played a stinker yesterday. There's no doubt about it. Is there... Is there any potential they come out and play as, as poorly as they did on Wednesday night as uh, as they potentially could on uh, that Monday uh, at late afternoon slot? I mean, it's, there's there's always potential, uh, and it could be worse. We we could have because as, as bad as the receivers were playing, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't great, but he didn't have a bad game. Uh, so that's that's always when you when you ask me like how could the, how bad could this be? I'm like, well, it depends. Is Ben Roethlisberger going to go out there and be like, you know what? I think today is that day. I'm throwing five interceptions and a half. Like that's as bad as it could get. Is is Ben Roethlisberger just has one of those games that he admittedly doesn't have as much anymore. He hasn't had them quite as often as he used to, uh, and they were never really frequent. But it could still happen. Uh, so so that could always happen. Um, I don't expect it. I don't. I don't really expect too bad of a game uh, here from the Steelers. And I do. Ex- I. I think they'll be slow. I think they'll get going slowly, and and then they'll kick it into gear in the second half, and and hope that's enough to win. Now, Brian, talking back to the Steelers' offense, uh, out out of the guys uh, in the lineup, who scares you most that could potentially have the biggest game against uh, against your team? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Juju is just like an, on a, just another planet um, in terms of his, his talent, his ability. He's been one of the most fun receivers to watch in this league. Interestingly enough, up until, I don't know, I want to say a week or two, you know, Washington had a better passing defense than they did rushing defense, which was kind of hard to believe because the talent in that defensive secondary man for man is, Hit or miss. They've had a number of injuries over the course of this year. I mean, Landon Collins has gone on IR. They had a cornerback, Greg Stroman. Um, the linebackers really haven't given a ton of help. That's probably been 
if not for the offensive line, maybe the weakest position group on the team. Um, so, I mean, the passing game, I think, for, for the Steelers, if they can get something going, if they can develop a rhythm, and I don't, antici- I don't really see why they wouldn't be able to, they are going to be able to feed Juju the ball, and I could see him going for, like, 150 and two touchdowns if they really decide to, like, put the, put the oomph there. Um, you mentioned that, you know, the run game has been not so hot. I mean, I know that there's been injuries with James, Con- James Conner going out. Um, it will be important for them, I think, to be able to establish a run in order to, you know, have credibility in your play actions and sort of make the, the corners and the safeties have to think twice about whether or not they need to go in and make a tackle. But the the talent I think that the Steelers have on at wide receiver is just it's pretty remarkable to me. Uh, I think that they have a fantastic core. Now, Jeffrey, how, how do you anticipate the Steelers using that core and really that entire defense or offense, rather? I should say, how do you expect the Steelers' offense to uh, to kind of game plan and who's getting the ball the most this week? Well, I want to say something with what Brian said because uh, I would love to see the Steelers use Juju right again. Uh, we, we have seen too many games where it's like, we're not throwing to Juju Smith-Schuster unless he's within a yard of, of the line of scrimmage. Like, like I, I think he had like eight yards from line of scrimmage on like five of his passes. Like, you know, like you can throw it downfield to him. He has some of the most, he has more big plays than most receivers in our team's history in just his first couple of years. Like, He's a guy who can make all the route. He can run all the routes. He can make all the catches. Like they don't trust him to run a 10 yard out route. Like, or they just don't throw him the ball. Like it drives me crazy. And I would love to see them actually open up the offense a bit and throw it to Juju when he's not running some little underneath route where you're like, okay, uh, Deontay Johnson's dropped three passes in a row. Let's throw to Juju one yard from the line of scrimmage and hope he can drag three defenders for five yards. Like, like really use him. <sighs> okay. Got that out. Uh, and, and, and establish the run. We do need to establish the run because if we can't run, you, you can't just let Montez sweat, chase young, Josh Allen. You can't just let those guys tee off on your quarterback and be like, Oh, that's okay. Well, you know, we'll just ask Ben to throw it quickly, you know, all the time. They've got to try and run the ball, uh, which, as I've seen in the chat, and I have an article coming out tomorrow talking about it, uh, the Steelers need to actually put run their run blockers. You know, stop being like, oh, we're, we, we're committed to the run game and we're going to run out of our passing sets with all of our best receivers out there. You know, put in some actual blockers. Uh, okay. But I would – I the Steelers on offense um, – Goodness, I, I really, I really think the Steelers are going to come out and do what they've been doing: throw timing routes to Deontay Johnson, uh, throw to Juju only when he's when he's underneath, and make him you know drag people for yards to convert first downs. Throw some bombs to Chase Claypool and and get James Washington a few catches here and there while while you keep forcing you know forcing everything <laughs> everything uh, in in ways that drive me crazy. Uh, which is what the Steelers are pretty much designed to do right now is drive their fans crazy. So, so while still winning the game, it's it's like you we don't really have room to complain, and yet, oh man, they're frustrating the heck out of me. So, 
Like I said, Ooh. I'll take what you guys got. I'm yeah, happy. I know. Listen, I know. I'll, I'll, I want to tell you. I'll pull it for you. Listen. Yeah. My first, my first football team that I cheered for was Washington. Was Washington. Yeah. Uh, 1991, <laughs> I, was a, I was a fan. And they lost <sighs> you somehow. Uh, yeah. It, that was, it, it, only that was the best time to be a fan. I'm it sure. was. It was. <laughs> like No, I talked earlier about 1995 where I'm like, I'm in, I'm right outside of Pittsburgh. And like everything's gearing up for this Dallas Cowboys Steelers Super Bowl in 1995, and I'm sitting there thinking this is a team that lost to my Redskins twice. Come on, like, yeah, like who, who you're gonna? But over the years, uh, Dan Snyder, man, and and just the what they fell out of national television, couldn't watch the games. Yep. And I was by by 95, I was a I was a Daryl Green and Rod Woodson fan. Those were my two favorite players. Sure. Uh, still two, still my two favorite players I've ever watched play football. Uh, so I, I kind of fell off of the 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 off the off of the Washington football team. It's a struggle for all of us, I'll tell you. Yeah, that. you know we're, what? They should just put a potato on the side of the helmet and get over it, you know? Uh, yeah, we, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. Washington football team, I might be in the minority on this. Washington football team has grown on me. Yeah. To the point like where. Like, you are like, the football team. Yeah, we're the football team. I mean, yeah. you know. Well, who, Is there another football team? I no, don't know. Just us. That's <laughs> it's it. Just, That's it's point. just Washington. Yeah, I mean. Oh, they, man. They, no, I. I was a huge fan, and and it's it drives. This is the frustrating thing about the Steelers season is that we don't. You're frustrated, but do you really have room to be frustrated? And this is really our debate. While other teams are sitting there being like, "Wow, you bunch of whiny babies! Your team's eleven to zero. Like, what's your problem? Stop whining!" And we're like, "Yeah, but they're not playing well." Oh, okay. I'm going to take a breath. I, I was <laughs> of the belief that uh, winning cures all angst, but apparently you're proving me wrong here because no, that's, you know, <laughs> Steelers Twitter is a, is a nightmare and uh, Reddit as well. It's a nightmare to navigate these days and, and they're 11 and 0, but yeah, uh, I just went on a rant earlier in the same being like, like relax people. It's okay. We're 11 and 0. And I'm still like, you know, mm, I have to preach to myself that because this team is frustrating. <laughs> Brian, I'll get back to you here. <laughs> the Washington football team uh, in this game, do they have anything to lose? Are, are they going to go for the gusto, pull out all the triple reverses? And is it going to be one of those wacky games where they're just going to do whatever it takes to win and potentially shoot themselves in the foot? Or what do you kind of expect? This is a team that uh, early on in the season, they just developed an ideology that they were willing to take chances because – you know, even while they were saying we're in this to to try to win a division, we recognize that there's a chance. You know, they've they've been vocal about it. They haven't shied away from it. Uh, they have. They, you know, Ron Rivera had the nickname Riverboat Ron, and you ask a lot of people around here. Some people think that his play play, play calling has been a little bit conservative, but I think as they've been able to open up the playbook a little bit more, he's starting to show that some. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the second in the, the Giants' loss, they had a chance to tie at the gun and opted to, to go for two to win the football game with Kyle Allen, a quarterback. And the play is developing, and a quarterback who is not Kyle Allen identifies what's going on and is able to run the ball on himself, and they win that football game, which puts them, which would put them in first place in this division right now. So, you know, they lose... And in that they lose that contest and say, look, we're, we're here. We're going to we're letting people know we're going to gamble. We're going to try. We're not playing safe. We're going to play hard. We're going to play fast. We're going to try and do some stuff that really 
we're playing with, I don't want to say they have reckless abandon, but they are definitely not gonna, you know, run it on or punt on fourth and one um, at midfield. They're, they're going for it. And they have sort of said, you know, it'd be great if we, we win this thing, but really we're out here to sort of develop an attitude and a culture that we're going to go for it. And so while they have not had a lot of razzle dazzle this year, I mean, they play kind of a traditional style of football. They at times will show you glimmers of things where you're not expecting it. You don't see it coming because it's not what you come to really expect out of a team that I think is still trying to develop and, and learn who they are. So I would say you're, you're, there's a chance that they pull out some of the stops here in order to, we may see something that we have not seen so far this year on tape, um, I think would be the way of putting it. Yeah, and that, that's something I, I, I'm partially expecting uh, basically from a, any team that might not necessarily be in playoff contention from here on in. Of course, Washington is, but uh, a little bit of a different situation in the NFC East. Yeah, Br- Brian, I'm going to come right back to you. Um, as the Steelers continue to win, I think this is a question I'm going to start asking our, our, our guests uh, more and more. Is is sixteen to zero a curse? Is is that something the Steelers should even care about? And what are you, what are your thoughts on, on this team potentially uh, gunning for a record like that? I think if it comes down to a, a set of circumstances where um, they have a shot to do it, I think. I mean, you go out there. What do they say? You, you play to win the game. But that said, they've they've already had to endure. A lot. I mean, we're already at a point in the season where they, you know, what they had that their bye week get moved. Is that correct? A t- the mm-hmm. Titans outbreak. Now they're dealing with the separate outbreak. They've had to move two games. They were going to play on Thanksgiving. Now they're playing Monday afternoon. They, by the end of the year, let's say they are one win away from going undefeated, but they've just had to endure a lot and they could really stand to benefit from resting some of their guys and not putting or not putting them in a position where a mistake could happen or something bad could happen to a guy because you think you identify that you can make a playoff run, like a deep playoff run. It's, it's what your, what's your tolerance of risk? What's your, um, what's your goal really is your goal to be, you know, the champions host Lombardi trophy. I mean, I'm sure they'd say yes, but it's a question of like, what are we, what, what level of risk are we willing to tolerate? What if Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt in pursuit of a perfect season? It's, it's something they're going to have to weigh if it comes down to that. I mean, should they try to put themselves in as good position as they can to be the one seed in the AFC? I think certainly yes. Let's say they have that locked up and they have this one other thing that they could go for. I think you kind of got to assess the situation when you get to that point, but knowing that they've had to sort of deal with a lot of challenges um, and adversity, some of which has been external, some of which has been internal. It's, it's going to be a tricky thing to have to weigh. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. I think if it comes down to uh, winning that game means you get the first seed, I think they go for it. Um, Otherwise I feel like uh, resting their starters kind of seems to be the way that it might go. Uh, a couple more super quick questions here. I'll, I'll pose this one to Jeffrey first. Uh, all of our guests, we always ask if there's one player they could pluck off the Steelers and throw on your own team, who would it be? The, the, the thing is, you can't say TJ Watt because everyone said that in the first 10 weeks of the year. Um, so I'll let you think of your answer. 
while I throw it to Jeffrey here, who knows this uh, was coming. Oh, you're asking me who would you take off uh, Washington throwing the Steelers? Uh man, I, I I love Terry McLaurin. I know we have like we have a wide receiver room where you know he's coming in and it's he's gonna be a top guy, but like how how much is he actually adding when you're just sliding down a guy who's already good to put in a guy who's better? Uh you know what? With Bud Dupree gone and leaving, I'll take. I'll. I'll go ahead and I'll take Chase Young. I'll take. I would even take Sweat. The, that whole defensive line is full of guys that like I loved when they were coming out into the draft. I loved their game. Uh, I take any of those guys, but I, I'll, I'll take Chase. Chase Claypool and Chase Young. There we go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so Brian, who's uh, who's your guy? I mean. And you said, I can't take TJ Watt. Because yeah. everyone did. It, it started getting a little dry. <laughs> okay. Doesn't make sure. I wanted to make sure if you yeah. want to make an exception. I mean, there are some other guys I would take. Uh, this is a team full of not just not just guys. There are some dudes on this team. Um, I mean, I already shouted out my love for Juju. I mean, you clearly you have Terry McLaurin there, but the drop-off is steep. If you had Terry McLaurin on one side and Juju Smith-Schuster on the other side, uh, that is ends up becoming a circumstance where no matter who you have a quarterback, they're going to be able to have an open guy basically um, either by force or by sort of personnel strategy. There's going to be, there's going to be a weapon there. Frankly, um, there are actually two guys on defense who are not TJ Watt that I, I really, really, really like Um, actually I'm going to go ahead and say three. It's all secondary guys. Joe Hayden, Local kid, grew up in Maryland. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, I think there were a lot of people that really, really wanted to find a way to get Minka Fitzpatrick in burgundy and gold, um, either at the draft or via trade. Uh, you know, uh, that would just be, he would be a game changer um, for kind of an ailing position. And a personal, uh, personal, I got, I got some love for Sean Davis, who also is a, a local DMV kid, um, played at my rival high school's football team and just like was was so much better than everybody else he was just like a fun guy to watch so um i don't think i answered the question but if the answer is uh one guy i'm picking tj watt but any of those other ones are really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh i like it um final question of the night uh, our score predictions for the game jeffrey i'll start with you on this one what's the final score uh and will the steelers move to 12 and 0 I'm going to go 21-17 Steelers. Four-point game. Uh, Brian, what are you thinking? I think the spread was uh, nine and a half. I think Washington will cover. I was going to say like 24-20. I think sort of the confluence of of things happening there makes this one competitive. but So like close, but no cigar for Washington. I do think – I think Pittsburgh is is clearly the favorite here. Um, but it's not, it's not a blowout. And for me, I personally think Mike Tomlin getting on the Steelers ass, uh, and really, uh, raising a fuss yesterday. Uh, I think this week's going to be a hard one kind of teach the team a lesson. I, I think they will actually, uh, get that point spread in their favor. Um, uh, I I'm predicting the Steelers 27, 13, mm. a two score game. I, I, I just think, uh, I think this might be a, a whole different mood and a little bit more focused team after what happened against Baltimore. But Brian, as we get out of here, is there anything you want to plug? 
Um, Hogshaven, if you have, uh, we have some fantastic writers over there. There are, it can be a challenging team to write about, especially from a fan's perspective. And we have a fantastic group of folks um, who, who write and really do a f- really great job producing. Uh, I also have a podcast that we just launched this season, the Cult of Colt podcast, named after everyone's favorite Washington football team quarterback, Colt Brennan. Uh, you can follow, find us on Twitter at Cult of Colt uh, and anywhere you can get podcasts. We're pretty much there. Search for Hogshaven, a Washington football team podcast. Make sure to check that out. Jeffrey, is uh, same question to you. What, uh, what do you got uh, coming out on the Behind the Steel Curtain verse? I just had a film room today on uh, the defense, uh, how we changed up the way we play the Ravens. We completely reversed course on how we defend the Ravens option game. And then uh, also covering Joe Hayden and Terrell Edmonds, doing exactly what they did last season, giving up touchdowns, but also getting picks on those gambles that they run. And uh, I've got one coming out later this week on the end of the first half plays with the uh, with Harbaugh throwing a fit about them laying on somebody, uh, breaking down the film on that and what actually happened. And it's, it's, it's actually a really – it's going to be fun. It's a crazy, crazy play, and it, it's, it's going to be a good read. So make sure you're checking that out tomorrow. Uh, Once again, uh, you have been listening to Behind the Steel Curtains. Know your enemy for week 13. Believe it or not, the season is nearly at its end. Uh, Make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and listening to our entire family podcast. For Jeffrey and Brian, my name is Michael Beck. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you next week.